So we're 15 days in. And we've talked about what that must have been like. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, that people were raised from the dead. And that when he was resurrected, people were raised from the dead. People came out of their graves. So you've got these people who were dead in Jerusalem. You've got Jesus who was dead in Jerusalem. And then you have Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead a few days before he died on the cross. I can't imagine what it must have been like to have been there. What was it like to see Jesus and you knew that he was dead? You knew that he had died. And he's been alive for 15 days. And the disciples have already seen him twice. And I'm going to share a story with you this morning where they encounter him for a third time. Can you imagine what it must have been like? But before I share the story, I want to give you a little background. Okay, Jesus dies. The Bible says that Jesus himself said that when he died, he went to the heart of the earth. He went to the place of the damned. He went to the place of the dead. The Bible calls it Sheol. We commonly call it hell. And he was there for three days. And he defeated death. He defeated hell. And he defeated the grave. And he said in Revelation, I was dead, but now I'm alive, and I'm alive forevermore. That's the difference in Christianity and every other religion. Listen, every other religion, their leaders died, and their leaders stayed dead. Jesus, our Savior, our brother, our leader, died. But he came back to life. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the guy that knows how to defeat death. That's the guy I want to follow. And he said, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I have the keys of death and of hell and of the grave. Now, what do keys represent? Keys represent authority. If you have keys to a building, you have authority. When I was in the cleaning business, I was in the janitorial business for 10 years, and I had keys to buildings all over town, and I had security codes, and I could go into any of those buildings any time after work, and no one ever questioned it because I had been given authority to go into those buildings. Jesus has authority over death, he has authority over hell, and he has authority over the grave. Now listen, you don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of hell. You don't have to be afraid of the grave. Because Jesus defeated them. What did he tell Thomas? He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. If you'll stick close to me, and that's what you're doing this morning, hell and death and the grave won't have anything to do with you. Now, before he ascends, he goes to a place called Abraham's bosom. That's where Abraham was and the Old Testament saints. Let me explain it to you. When you died in the Old Testament, if you were righteous, you knew God, you you did not go to heaven because the price for your sin had not been paid for yet. So instead, you went to a place called paradise. Do you remember what Jesus told the thief on the cross? He said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Another word for it was Abraham's bosom. All the Old Testament saints 
were in a holding place called Abraham's bosom. And it was a beautiful, wonderful place. Jesus goes there. He gets all of those saints and he takes them with him to heaven. Then he does one more thing. It says in Peter that he went to hell. The Bible calls it prison. He goes to hell and he preaches to all the people who died in the flood. It's in Peter. I'm not going to read it to you, but if you want to know where it is, all you have to do is Google Jesus preaching in hell and it'll pull it up and you can read it. And here's what, I think this is so fascinating. It says that he goes to hell and he preaches to the people who died in the flood while Noah was building the ark. They all got in the boat. It started raining and everybody on the earth died. And it says that Jesus went there and preached to them. And that's all it says. It doesn't say anything about what happened. It doesn't say anything about what they did. It does not say anything else about it. But it says Jesus went there. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is all God and he's all man. When he died, he went to the place of the damned, which is in another dimension. He left there and went to paradise, which is another dimension. He came back and got his body in the tomb and came back into the physical world. Then he left the physical world and went to heaven and took the Old Testament saints and heaven is another dimension. Then he went back to hell and preached to those who were lost who died during the flood. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because I want you to get a glimpse of the power, the majesty, and the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, don't miss this. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All. Can you say all for me? All. Yeah. In Texas, that means everything. Amen. Jesus said, all power, all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. So if you have authority on the earth, and a lot of people have authority, let's say law enforcement, they have delegated authority. Let's say uh, EMTs and firemen, they have delegated authority. Government officials have delegated authority. Jesus has all authority, and that authority is delegated to them. If you're a father or a mother, you have authority in your home. But Jesus has all authority. Then he says one more thing. He says that the renewal of everything in the last days, at the end of time, when everything is made right, everything's put back together, at the renewal of all things, he says, I will sit upon my glorious throne. Now imagine with me for just a minute. I I love to just, I, I, I have a pretty good imagination. Can you imagine what Jesus' throne must look like? Can you imagine what Jesus must look like? The Bible says in Isaiah that we'll gaze upon his beauty. Now, what have we found out in Revelation? That his eyes are like on fire. His hair is like light. Okay. And that looking at him is like staring into the sun. And that he'll be seated on a glorious throne. And he won't be there to judge us. That's not what he's going to do. Because he took your judgment already. See what I say? You don't have to be afraid of hell. Man, I hope I don't go to hell. Well, if you know Jesus, you're not going to hell. Amen. And some of you need to settle that in your heart. You do. Seriously. I know people who struggle with that. They make mistakes. They blow it. They do things wrong. And then they feel condemned. And they feel like, oh, I've messed up. And I I hope I don't go to hell. 
I talked to somebody just yesterday that said they felt like if they didn't do something they were supposed to do, that God was going to get them. Listen, folks, that's not true. Your punishment for your sin was put on Jesus, and you're in right standing with God. Amen? You don't have to fear hell. You don't have to fear death, and you don't have to fear the grave. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the grave does not have any sting. Okay, when my body goes in the grave, my spirit goes to heaven to be with Jesus. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to realize how mighty, how powerful, how amazing Jesus Christ is. And he's your savior and he's God. And he's seated on the throne next to the Father right now. And the day will come that you and I'll see him. And he'll be seated on his glorious throne. And everything will be made right. Everything will be restored. The Bible says in Revelation, every tear will be wiped from your eye. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more crying. Now he's been on the earth for 15 days. And he's accomplished all of this. So what does he do? He does something that I think is amazing, and I'm going to show it to you this morning in the book of John. He goes to be with his friends. And where are his friends? They're at the lake. He goes to meet them at the lake. Now, don't miss this. I really want you to see this this morning. Jesus cares about what you care about. He's interested in what you're interested in. His friends are at the lake, and that's where he goes. Let me read it to you. John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. It's not a sea, it's a lake. Now, don't let the word sea throw you. The word, it's not salt water, it's fresh water, and it's a lake. It's not part of the ocean. So they go to the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, and in this way, he shows himself. Now, here's what happens. John is, a, is there, and he wrote the book of John, so you're getting a first-person account of what's happened. And John says, hey, we were at the lake, and Jesus showed up, and let me tell you about it. And that's the story I'm fixing to read you. This is a first-hand account. He says who's there. Jesus showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. There were seven of them there. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing, and they said, we're going with you. Now, I want you to see something really simple and really powerful. Peter is disheartened and discouraged because Jesus has died. All the things they thought he was going to do, they didn't think happened. They're discouraged. And he says, hey, I'm going to the lake and I'm going fishing. Now, they worked, they fished for a living, okay? They, they weren't there, there recreating, but he was discouraged. And he thought, man, I'm just going to go back to work. I'm just going to go back fishing. And then you know what his friends say? Well, we'll, we'll go with you. Hey, we're going, I'm going fishing. Well, hey, we'll go with you. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, well, we'll go with you. They went out and immediately got in the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Stop right there. It's evening. They get in the boat. They push off from shore. And there's seven of them out in their boat. And they go out and they fish all night. I wonder what the conversation was like in that boat. What, what do you think they talked about all night long? They're throwing their nets in, they're fishing, they're men, they're hanging out together in their boat. 
You ever been out on the lake with anybody and you hang out with them together in the boat? And you get out there and I wonder what they talked about. You think they talked about Jesus dying on the cross? You think they talked about him being raised from the dead? You think they talked about how discouraged they were? What do you think they talked about? They're out there all night long. Then the sun comes up and Jesus is there at the lake and he's standing on the shore. Listen to what he says. When the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. They cast and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Stop right there. And I want to make this real for you. Okay, don't think about what I just read. Think about what I'm about to say. They're 100 yards out in the water in a boat. and There's seven of them. They've been out there all night. And they're fishing. And Jesus is standing on the shore of the lake and his buddies are out there. And you know what he does? He hollers at them. And you know what he says? Hey, you guys caught anything? That's exactly what he said. You ever been to the lake and somebody's in a boat and they're fishing? And what do you always say to them? Hey, man, y'all catching anything? And if they hold up a stringer with eight fish, you think, where are you fishing at? Right? Hey, what kind of bait are you using? So he hollers out at them and says, hey, have you guys caught anything? And they holler back and they say, no, we hadn't caught nothing. You ever been fishing and hadn't caught any fish and somebody else wants to tell you how to fish? You ever been there? Yeah. Hey, man, I got this lure right here. Man, I got this thing online. It's amazing. Come here, big boy. I'll give you this lure and I'll let you have it for $5. Or somebody else knows, oh, man, you're not casting right. You ever had that happen to you? So Jesus hollers back at them and tells them how to fish. Hey, guys, I know a great spot where you can catch some fish. Where's that? The other side of the boat. I mean, you'd want to slap them, wouldn't you? Yeah. Can you think how dumb that is? All right. I mean, I'm not picking on Jesus, but it's like, come on, dude. You know, this side doesn't have any fish, but the other side five feet away does. He says, cast your net on the other side. We know what the scripture says. They caught so many fish, they couldn't pull the net in. Then this is what happens next. John says, hey, I think that's the Lord. Now, remember, he's died, rose from the dead. He's been on the earth for 15 days. And John says, hey, I think it's the Lord. And you know what Peter does? Peter had taken off some of his clothing to work in the boat. He grabs all of his belongings, and he dives in the lake 100 yards from shore, and he swims to shore. While he's swimming to shore, they're fighting to pull in the net. They don't get it all the way pulled in, but they grab their oars and they start rowing. And some of them are hanging on to the net and some of them are rowing. And they're trying to make that 100 yards as fast as they can while Peter's swimming. They've been out on the water all night. It's early morning. And it says that Jesus built a fire on the shore. And it had burned down to coals, and he had put fish and bread on it. Now, don't miss this. To me, this is so powerful. This so helps me. Jesus, the Son of God, who's defeated death, hell, and the grave, takes the trouble to go to the lake to find his friends. While he's there waiting for them to get to shore, he builds a fire. The fire has time to burn down to coals. Now, if you've ever been to the lake, you know the two best times at the lake are when? Early morning and late evening. 
If you're at the lake and you're on a boat late in the evening, just as the sun is starting to dip down, the water just gets slick like glass. And if you're inner tubing, if you're wakeboarding, if you're skiing, you always want to make just one more round because the water is so smooth and the sun is just going down and it's beautiful and it's amazing. The next best time is early in the morning. You go camping and you get up early before the sun comes up. If you get up early enough, you can see the stars still fading out in the sky and you get your campfire going on the beach. Now, I don't know about you, but I love campfires. I've got a fireplace in my house and every morning during the winter, I get up and I build a campfire. Every morning in my fireplace, I build a fire, I get my Bible, I get my coffee and I have devotions and I have a small den and I enjoy that fire. I have a fire pit in the backyard and when the weather's right in the summer, it's too hot to build a fire in the house, I build a fire out in the backyard. I get up early and go outside in the morning and I'll get me a fire going in the backyard and I'll have my coffee and I'll read my Bible and I talk to Jesus. I love that kind of stuff. I love doing that. The other thing I love is the lake. I love going to the lake. I love swimming. I love hanging out. I love a campfire on the beach. I love being there early in the morning. I love being there late in the evening. So does Jesus. He's not some weird religious guy. He loves what you love. Now, hang out. Let's just camp out right here for a minute. He loves what you love. If you love motorcycles, so does he. If you love horses, so does he. If you love farming and agriculture, so does he. Whatever you care about, whatever you're interested in, whatever draws you, Jesus cares about. Jesus has raised from the dead. And what does he do, Eric? He goes to the lake to hang out with his friends. He doesn't go to church. He's not acting religious. He doesn't act weird. He's normal just like we are, but he's God. Do you know what heaven is for God? Us. Us. You know what we're going to do when we get to heaven? We're going to hang out with Jesus. <clears throat> you know what I believe I'm going to do in heaven? Now, I'm going to worship God. We're going to have some amazing rock and church services. And I can't believe the worship and how good it's going to be. Somebody said that George Strait had been in Austin this last week. And somebody had posted pictures online how amazing it is. Well, the Bible says that we'll all gather together and we'll all worship Jesus. And that's going to be one rocking concert. And Jesus will be there and it'll be amazing. But that's not all we're going to do. It ain't going to be church 24 hours a day. Now, I love church. Don't misunderstand me. Church saved my life. Church changed my life. I thank God for church. I love going to church and being in church. But I like going to the lake. I like riding dirt bikes. I like hanging out and doing fun stuff just like you do. So does Jesus. I really want you to get a hold of this. So you know what we've been taught well, if you want to get a hold of God, you better go to church. And it's a great place to get a hold of God. A great place. But he goes where you go. He's where you are. Tim loves golf. Tim's going to play golf with Jesus. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart. One of the things that I always wanted to learn to do is surf. Now, I've, I've surfed one time. We went to Corpus and we got surfing lessons as a family. And we went out and tried to surf. And, uh, of course, I wasn't very good at it for some reason. And uh, the best surfer in our family was Ashley. <laughs> Ashley, for some reason, got a hold of it. And she was surfing pretty good. And, I, I, you know, they told us when you come into the shore, the water's not very deep. So don't fall off on your head because you can break your neck. 
So the whole time, you know what I'm thinking? Oh, Lord Jesus, I don't want to break my neck. Well, now I've never surfed again, but I believe in heaven will surf those that want to. And I want to surf with Jesus. It's going to be amazing. What you care about, he cares about. Peter said, it's the Lord. When Simon heard it, he put his outer garment and he removed it and he jumped into the water. But the other disciples came in a boat for they were not far from the land. They were about a hundred yards dragging the net with them. As soon as they came to land, they saw a fire of coals and fish and bread. And Jesus said, bring some fish. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net full of fish. There were 153. Stop right there. This is so amazing to me. The Holy Spirit tells you and I how many fish they caught. What do fishermen always want you to know? How many they caught? Yeah. Man, we went fishing. We caught eight catfish or we caught seven bass or we caught seven trout. Everybody knows how many fish they catch. The Holy Spirit wanted you to know there were 153 Now, don't miss this. This is so powerful. This will help you. The Holy Spirit cares about the details of your life. Listen, he cares about the details of your life. Whatever you're worried about, whatever you're afraid of, whatever's concerning you, he cares because you care. He's interested in what you're interested in. He cares about what you care about. And he is into the details. What does the Bible say? That he knows the number of hairs or the lack thereof on your head. Amen. He's watching my hair count go down, right? He's into the details. See, the lie is is that he doesn't care. You know, I talked to somebody years ago that needed a job. Somebody else had talked to him and said, hey, why don't we pray that you get a better job? And this person said, God doesn't care about that. Yes, he does. Yes, he does care. God is into the details. Now, let me finish the story. They caught 153, and there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said, come and eat breakfast, yet none of the disciples dared ask him who you are, knowing it was the Lord. The Lord came back, took the bread, gave it to him, and likewise the fish. And this was the third time they saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. I'm just about done, but I don't want you to miss this. Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he goes to the lake to be with his friends. He builds a campfire. He's God Almighty, and he builds a campfire, and he waits till the coals go down, and he puts fish that he's cleaned on it, and he puts bread on it, and they get to shore, and they all gather around the campfire, and they sit on the beach, and they all eat together because they're friends. And they laugh and they talk and they interact. And they're so stunned because he's alive, they're afraid to ask him. And so they're whispering to each other, I think think that's Jesus. Hey, hey, look at him. I think that's him. They're afraid to say, dude, is that you? Isn't that crazy? They spent three years with him. He's got scars in his hands and in his feet. They've seen him twice already and touched him, but they're so stunned they don't know what to think. (coughs) Then they sat around a fire at the lake. (coughs) 
and they clean and they eat fish. Now, here's what else I think is interesting. This is just a rabbit trail. I'm always thinking about stuff. Jesus didn't say, don't eat those fish. Those are my creatures. Put them back in the water that they may live. No, he didn't do that. Jesus doesn't care if you eat meat. He ate meat. After he was resurrected from the dead, he ate meat. He doesn't care if you eat meat. See, Jesus is normal just like you and I are. He cares about what you care about. He's concerned about what you're concerned about. And he's interested in the details of your life. I cannot wait to sit around the campfire with Jesus. I cannot wait to eat fish off the fire with Jesus. I cannot wait to spend time with him. And the Bible says we're going to have all of eternity. The things that I love, he loves. The things you love, he loves. Isn't that amazing? That brings it out of that kind of weird religious realm, doesn't it? You know, well, Jesus walks around in this white sheet and he can't get dirty. When I was a kid, we'd dress up for Easter and nothing would get you a whipping quicker than getting dirty, right? You know, I got this pants on and shirt. Don't rusty, don't you get dirty. And what would I always do? Get dirty, right? Dirty's my middle name. <laughs> when we go home to eat lunch today, you know the first thing Vicky's going to say? Get that shirt off. Don't eat in that shirt. All right, I'll change it. My wife's so mean to me. <laughs> hey, be quiet back there. <laughs> he cares about what you care about. I, that encourages me, and I want it to encourage you. Listen, this week, take some time to talk to Jesus about what's going on in your life. Whether, what, what, when you're doing what you love to do, bring him into it. Say, hey, Lord, thank you. Thank you for moving in my life. And if you've got something bugging you, talk to him about it. He wants to help. He will help. Hey, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming. Jesus, I think the one word I have stirring in me this morning is that you're real. You're real. You're the real deal. You're the real thing. You're, 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 there's nothing fake about you. And Lord, I've been involved in religion before and it was everything fake. There wasn't anything real about it. But you're not like that. You're real. And Lord, I love you. Lord, I pray you stir in our hearts today that you care about what we care about. You're into the details of our life. The things that we have on our heart, you have on your heart. Lord, I love you. Father, I pray as we leave this service that you would strengthen us, you would encourage us, you would refresh us, and that we would be better because we were here. Lord, I'm thankful for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.